Thanks for joining us this week, and welcome to Mutuality Matters, a weekly podcast hosted by CBE International, where our mission is to promote the biblical message that God calls women and men of all cultures, races, and classes to share authority equally in service and leadership in the home, church, and work. Let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to Mutuality Matters, Global Impact, Egalitarianism, and Human Flourishing. Kim and I are absolutely delighted to introduce you to a dear sister and leader from the Middle East, Grace Alzubi. But before we do that, we would like to share a little bit about our own experiences uh, with that part of the world. Kim? Yes, I am very excited to meet Grace because she is from Bethlehem in Palestine, which is part of the ancient church. And when I was in college, I did um, a program to study overseas called Middle East Studies Program in Egypt. And from there, we traveled to Israel and Palestine and Jordan. And I was just floored. There was a whole world of Christianity that as an American Christian, I knew nothing about and we studied in Gaza and the West Bank, and I learned about these ancient churches and ancient Christians that are still there serving our God. And I got to learn all of the things they were doing and a lot of the persecution they're also experiencing. And so now we get to introduce to you Grace from, Pal- from Palestine, from Bethlehem, who will get to share some of her personal experiences. And I hope that it opens our audience's eyes a little bit like my eyes were opened when I was in college. Thanks, Kim. Well, my experience began at birth. Uh, My name at birth was Mariam. Uh, My family comes from Lebanon, which is where Grace is working now, which is very exciting. Uh, And so I heard Arabic growing up. My uncles would come to visit from the Middle East wearing long robes and carrying prayer beads. And I kept thinking, how come they're not wearing shorts? (laughs) We had, so my sister and I swam through several cultures growing up. But what a joy it was to finally travel to Lebanon and meet dear friends and family that I had heard about uh, as a child and celebrate our cultural history as Christians. My grandmother was Maronite, and I talk about that in other uh, publications. Uh, But with Grace today, she uh, comes to us from a church that goes as far back as the birth of Christ. She is completing a PhD in London and will assume leadership at a very important institute in Lebanon. She has a deep connection to and passion for women leaders in the Christian church in the Middle East. And so it is with huge delight and gratitude that we welcome Grace uh, to this podcast. Welcome, Grace. Thank you so much, Dr. Mimi, and thank you, Kim. It is a real pleasure and an honor to be with you on this podcast. So, Grace, I know I introduced a little bit about... um, the ancient church, but I was hoping you could tell us about the history of Christians in the Middle East, since most Americans don't know very much about this. Yeah, thank you so much, Kim, for this very important question. As you have stated, Christianity has actually started in the Middle East. Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. The Lord of Light uh, became flesh in this very place. 
I was born in Bethlehem and grew up in this beautiful little town, which I think is the most beautiful place on earth. I know I'm biased, uh, but uh, it will always be my beloved hometown. And it's just fascinating to think about the history of Christians all throughout the centuries from the birth of Christ. I also think of the Pentecost when uh, the church was gathered and there there were Arab people. But I also think of another account in the book of Acts when the Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. Uh, but also in the first century, St. Mark the Evangelist founded the church in Alexandria in Egypt. And what a great heritage that we can reflect on uh, now after 21 centuries. Uh, when we think of Christianity and the Christians of the Middle East, uh, we have to remember that it is the home and the heartbeat uh, of Christianity. It's difficult to overlook the ecclesial context of the Middle East as there is an extraordinary plurality and diversity in Christian expression across different denomina denominational, ethnic, cultural and historical identifiers. And throughout the past centuries, Christians have been faithful uh, to their faith, have been faithful uh, to the church. And now, although many Christians have left the Middle East, there are still remnants who are there and um, who uh, are not ashamed of being Christians and who want to proclaim the gospel of Christ in so many ways. And I am one of them. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Grace, as you say so wisely, and I'm going to quote you here, we Christians in Bethlehem today are a continuation of the early church itself. And as a living member of this vital and broken link to our faith, Tell us about Arab Christian women that you cite in your writings and that have inspired your research and even your vocation today, if I'm understanding correctly. Yes, absolutely. I love talking about Arab Christian women because not everyone knows that there are Arab Christian women who want to make a difference in their own communities, in their own societies. As we talk about Christianity in the Middle East, uh, we have to remember that scholars divide the different expressions of Christianity into five families. The Church of the East, the Oriental Orthodox, uh, the Eastern Orthodox, the Catholic Churches, and the Protestants are all represented all throughout the Middle East. And there are women from every church family of uh, the aforementioned uh, families. And it really is wonderful to be uh, in touch with these women, to get to talk to them, to hear and to listen to their stories, their lived experiences, uh, to listen to their challenges uh, and their hopes and dreams and aspirations for the future. It has been really fascinating to get to know what God is doing uh, in the midst uh, of uh, uh, in the lives of these women and uh, of course what they hope to to um, accomplish there are so many barriers for arab christian women uh, to enter and do theological education and these barriers are significant uh, but the churches uh, and the academy are in partner they should be in partnership to help these women overcome these barriers I always uh, think of how we can develop a theology particular for Arab women. I also think of the oppression that they go through, the limited physical freedom, uh, um, the patriarchal society, but still they are women of faith, women of hope that are connected to the geography of their land, that are connected to their faith. And this lends them, this lends uh, uh, theological education, a very unique perspective of their culture, 
Um, so through my interaction with all these uh, women, I have come to understand that God has a plan for them, that their roles are essential for the academy, for the church, and that they should be viewed as active participants. They should be theologically educated, encouraged to teach within the theological institutes, to read, to think, to write, to present papers and conferences. Women should be full participants in all aspects of the doing, leading, and designing of theological education because their experiences and voices are irreplaceable. Thank you. Well said. Amen. Amen. Woo! <laughs> You're on fire. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, considering all the talent of these women and so much that should be happening, as Americans, we have been hearing a lot about Lebanon in the news. And so I'm wondering, how are women uniquely equipped to address issues in countries like Lebanon today with this ongoing economic, political, and leadership crisis? Yeah, thank you for this important question. And as you uh, uh, mentioned, Lebanon, it's of course very difficult to think of the experiences that Arab women have had in a difficult country like Lebanon. But yet, I believe that the hope that these women have and the uh, aspirations that they have for the future is very inspiring. Um, they could easily give up and say, we want to immigrate, we want to leave. Uh, we cannot cope with all this uh, suffering, with all the oppression, with all the difficulties, on top of everything or that already women have been going through. But I believe that they have a vision, and this vision is very essential uh, for their future. It's very essential for the future of their nation. Lebanon is struggling. It's a country that's going through so much turmoil, but God has planted a calling in the lives of these women not to leave, to stay in their countries, to be catalysts of change, to be transformers, to be role models. Everyone is looking and everyone is waiting and anticipating in anticipation what will happen. And I think the answer will be through women, of course, in partnership with men leaders, leaders of the church, leaders of theological education. Um, there is so much that can be done through women. Their prophetic voice should be included in the ultimate purposes of God for the Arab church. Um, I often think uh, how Arab women's voice have been uh, ignored and overlooked for the past centuries, but now is a time for them to rise. It's a time for them to overcome these challenges and to be witnesses um, for uh, uh, witnesses to what God is doing in their midst. Thank you, Grace. I appreciate your emphasis on their prophetic vision and voice. How does investing in Christian women with a prophetic voice come into conflict with the cultural norms they encounter? Yes, thank you for another very good question. It's very important to talk about the culture and what women have to encounter in terms of culture. I believe uh, through my interactions with Arab women that they are in agreement in their assessment that the culture poses an obstacle to the future development of theological education and the church. But many women show sympathy towards institutes of theological education, given that they are situated within the Arab culture. On the one hand, Arab women do not 
see the church as proactive in involving them. But on the other hand, they describe the pressures coming from the restricted cultural background. Within such a culture, investing in males can be seen as more meaningful than in females, as the future of a man is more secure, more predictable than that of a woman, so the culture thinks. However, when it comes to theological education, I think that the church and academy should weigh up and understand that they could offer specific opportunities to women, which men simply cannot fulfill. Within the Arab culture, Christian women do not have to be celibate. They do not have to be in mission to be engaged in theological education. There's always a real tension about women having a family and also maintaining a career. But I hope that uh, um, new roles can be crafted for Arab women, uh, new roles that can be pioneering and exciting in this sense, because we really are at a crisis moment in time, and we have to employ a different mode of evaluation and to highlight the different possibilities that theological education can create for women. Well said, well said. Yes, as I think of the potential for these women, it also makes me consider the fact that you need men as your allies um, mm -hmm. to help open some of these doors so that women can have these opportunities and really make an impact in the church. So I was wondering in your context, if you know of any good examples of Christian men who have elevated women in theology and the church. Yes, certainly. Thank you again for this uh, very good question. Uh, personally, I've had a very positive experience because my family has encouraged me to pursue theological education. And then I've had colleagues uh, when I was a student. I, have te I had teachers, professors uh, who would always encourage me and say, this is not the end. You've got to work uh, harder and you've got to fulfill your dreams. And when I got married to my husband, Michael, who's Egyptian, uh, he also very much encouraged me and never uh, um, said, you know, this is enough. Uh, you're going Going to be a housewife now or he saw me as a leader and he really pushed me forward even currently as I pursue my PhD and I think these are beautiful examples um, it's so interesting as I uh, talk to Arab women they always refer to this male figure in their life whether it's their pastor it's their father and they comment how positive of an experience uh, a man can have in their lives and I think this is beautiful because we are one body and women on their own cannot accomplish what they can uh, with uh, uh, with the help of men. So we've got to be partners and we've got to uh, work together for God's kingdom. Oh, yes. We are one body. That is so true. And it, what is good for one member is good for all members. Well said. Grace, you've done enormous research on women in the Middle East. I've seen some of it. It's so exciting. Can't wait for a publication from you. And I'm interested in hearing highlights from your research. What has touched you the most? Where has your learning in your own life intersected? And as you serve beside other women, can you share with us aspects of that research that really has inspired your own life and perhaps helped those you work beside? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, it has been so exciting to undertake this research. I really love what I do and I love uh, being able to uh, explore what resources are there. But most importantly is to talk to contemporary women, to women uh, who are in Egypt, in Lebanon, in Palestine, in Jordan, in Syria, in Sudan, and to really understand what uh, is going on in their lives and how they can be uh, of a great benefit to the churches and to their communities, to their societies. I love the potential that these women have. I love the fact that they want to dream, that they don't give up. I love the fact that they want to be peacemakers, that they want to be reconcilers, that God can use their voices uh, in unique situations, that they can write, that they can inspire the world. I believe that the Western world doesn't know enough about uh, Middle Eastern Christianity, let alone about Arab women in the Middle East. So I think there are great opportunities there for women to present uh, their their stories for other uh, communities, for other nations, for other uh, uh, people to learn of them and to learn of their struggles and suffering. I love the fact that they are women who do not give up, that they want to uh, um, challenge uh, the stereotypes that are uh, spread about women, about Arab women, and that they want to show that with faith, with hope, uh, they can transform their societies and they can be witnesses. Uh, I love the fact that these women uh, are very ambitious. They want to continue their studies. They want to work. They are mothers. Uh, they are uh, sisters. They are daughters. Uh, and they have so much to offer. And I think this should bless the church and the academy in the Middle East, but beyond. Thank you. That's great. I was just going to ask you about what your dreams for the Middle East women leaders are. I feel like you just, just said everything. But is there anything else you would want to add to that for your dreams for them? Yes, I have um, so many big dreams, really. I want <laughs> <laughs> a network of Arab women together. I want to see Arab women represented in so many places. I would like to create a space for women to do research and to uh, to share how much they love theology and um, to help other women grow in their faith, in their character. Uh, and there is so much that women can do together. And I think this is just the beginning. Grace, we are so thankful you are a catalyst for change and, and just a source of inspiration and collaboration with Arab women really around the world. And as we think about our community, CBE's community, which is in fact global, I would love to know from your perspective, how can women around the world partner with you in, in the crucial work, the pioneering work you are doing now? Yeah, thank you, first of all, for all the work that you do at CBE. I am constantly inspired uh, by all your initiatives and uh, I love receiving the newsletters. I love reading your updates and I do truly feel very connected with your ministry. So thank you for your vision and for your leadership. And thank you also for reaching out to women from the majority world. Um, I'm always inspired when I read Western scholars and uh, uh, in a sense, I feel envious of what is available in the West, all the resources, the libraries, uh, um, the potential, 
you know, a Western woman can get what she wants, but this is not necessarily the case for an Arab woman. Arab women have often to often have to struggle uh, to get any resources or to obtain uh, any help they need. So I really would love to see uh, some sort of collaboration and partnership happening between uh, the West and the East. I would love to see Western women uh, coming along to encourage Arab women uh, to be part uh, of their life, to understand what's going on, uh, to come and visit them in their context, to worship with them, uh, and for them to uh, share friendships, uh, really, as sisters. Uh, uh, although we have different experiences, but again, the love of God that has been poured in our hearts connects and unites us. That is right. We are bound by the cross. We are one in Christ Jesus. Amen. When you look forward to the coming years at, in Lebanon, what are you most excited about, Grace? I'm really excited about interacting with my students. I love getting to know students from all around the Arab world, from different backgrounds, different countries, different church families. And I think that's just a beautiful image of what heaven is like. I love the fact that I can and that I have this opportunity to make a difference in their lives. I love the fact that I can help them benefit from the education I received in the West. I want them to be more ambitious. I want them to uh, study harder, to work more diligently, to uh, learn more and so that they themselves can take this education to their families and communities and make a difference. Oh, yes. I'm sure you are that inspiration to them. Do you see places where they're struggling in particular that we can be in prayer about as we wrap up our conversation with you and as you think about the conversations you've had with students, are there particular places where the rest of us can remember their struggles in our prayers? Yeah, thank you uh, for this important question. Uh, I think many of the students come from very impoverished, impoverished backgrounds. Many of them uh, are marginalized uh, and many of them are persecuted. Persecution is a marker of the church in the Middle East. And it just brings me so much pain sometimes to uh, hear and to listen to their struggles. Uh, I wish I can uh, be in every country where they are. I wish I can go and help and uh, really offer them God's uh, gracious love. Um, I also, uh, I'm often surprised at the uh, meager resources that are there. Uh, students struggle with uh, having the necessities that they need uh, to be students, whereas in other parts of the world, perhaps students take that for granted. So that's another uh, important uh, issue for prayer. And I really hope that there will be so many opportunities for them to learn and pursue a postgraduate education in the Middle East. Uh, there are basic theology, theological programs, uh, but I pray that these will develop into graduate and postgraduate studies so that we can see more Arab women rise and uh, be equipped and be the leaders uh, that our nations need. Inspiring vision. Such an inspiring vision. And this is kind of off script, but I listening to you and hearing your passion, I'm really curious about what inspired you initially to go into theology and inspired this passion that you have. Yeah, thank you, Kim. Uh, it 
really is all because of God's grace. Uh, I love the fact that my name is Grace and I can see his grace uh, in my day-to-day life. I remember at the age of 13, I told the Lord I wanted to give him my very best. And I remember very clearly thinking of the words of Paul, that I would consider everything else as a waste for the sake of knowing Christ. And these words have inspired me. They have guided my life. They have encouraged me in difficult times. uh, And they continue to uh, help me dream on a a day-to-day basis. They They continue to inspire me in everything that I do. I really want to do everything for God's glory. Uh, I'm very thankful for the way he has opened doors for me, for the way he has provided for me, for the way uh, he has used even difficult circumstances to shape me so that I can be the person I am now. Grace, as we close, would you be willing to lead us in prayer? And let's remember those you serve in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for your love and graciousness. Lord, we thank you that you are our strength when we feel weak. We thank you, Lord, that uh, your love has been poured in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity where I could share with my uh, sisters, Dr. Mimi and Kim, about our experiences in the Middle East. I thank you, Lord, that uh, you make all things possible and that with you we can uh, be assured Uh, that you are with us, that you have promised never to leave or forsake us. Lord, I particularly think of uh, my brothers and sisters in the Middle East. I think uh, of those who are going through difficult times, those who are suffering, those who are persecuted. And I know, Lord, that you are with them. I know, Lord, that um, you know our needs before we even ask for them, Lord. And you have promised to provide for all our needs, Lord. Uh, We know that Uh, The Middle East needs you. Every country is struggling in a different way. But Lord, uh, you are the one who gives us hope and you are the one who is with us. Lord, uh, as uh, we reflect on your name, Emmanuel, God is with us. May you help us know you uh, more closely, Lord. May you remind us that you are walking with us in our difficulties and in our challenges, Lord. And we thank you that there is hope in the future. We thank you, Lord, that... Uh, You inspire us and give us vision, Lord. May you um, help us uh, pray for one another and remember to to really um, be united in your spirit and in everything that we do. May it be for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We hope to see you this summer, and when we do, we will load you up with lots of books to take back for everyone. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, yes, yes. Where, where women's leadership is strong, especially in a religious context, humanitarian efforts go way up, productivity goes up, and the immoral practices go down. So the work you are doing really has such terrific ripple effect, way beyond our faith communities and that's something the UN has done a lot of work on recently so I am just so inspired by you Grace grateful thank you for your encouragement (laughs) wonderful thank you so much for your time and for your questions well Kim that was an inspiring conversation Grace is amazing what were your thoughts I thought the same thing I I'm very impressed with how well she knows her world and um, her passion 
for women to be involved in theology in the Middle East and understanding that they are coming from a place that's much harder than we are from the Western world. If we decide we want to go into theology, there aren't all of these roadblocks. I thought she was so articulate in the challenges, but the need for the same thing. Mm -hmm. What inspired me was her vision to work both with the prophetic voice of Arab women and male allies in a patriarchal context. That is, in my view, a very challenging situation to navigate, but she definitely has a call and a vision and a plan, and she's executing it brilliantly. As I understand it, and as she said, Grace is the first woman to teach theology at the Arab Baptist Theological Seminary, which I believe was founded by the Southern Baptists. That's amazing. Yeah, how old is that school? Do you know? Um, I think it's post-1960s. My auntie goes to church at a Southern Baptist church in down in Ross Beirut. So there's a lot of faculty who attend her church and teach at the um, Air Baptist Theological Seminary. So the connection to the SBC, I think, is um, part of their history, really. Well, and what strikes me is... Um denominations and churches are different in every country you face that you, that you go to. Mm -hmm. And so it, I'm sure it looks very different in Lebanon and just what she was talking about the people who have championed her through her whole life um, means there are a lot of men on her side, mm -hmm. especially when the school itself hired her. That's probably mostly men that made that decision. And they knew that it was monumental, that it was breaking, you know, breaking through to allow the first woman to be a professor in theology. Right. It's, it's exciting. It is. And you see God's hand opening doors, preparing grace through the family she she grew up with, their support for her all through childhood, and then her theological education that has been, you know, obviously she's lived outside of the Middle East in London, very different culture with her husband, who's very supportive. And, and really, to, to her credit and to the faithfulness of God, she is just sailing over so many cultural uh, challenges and now has a, a fabulous opportunity to teach um, and a unique position of leadership. Which, and, and, and I was also struck by her connection to her students. So she's a leader theologically, and she's mentoring as she goes the next generation of leaders. Yes. And she's young enough that I just think of the impact she's going to have over her lifetime with that next generation of leaders. I can just imagine that when she looks back, she's going to see a different world when she's pouring herself into it like she is now nice. with such passion. I mean, I think her passion is really what impressed me the most. Well, as you know, Kim, as a student of Arabic yourself, the language... <laughs> Is, a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> the language is, if it's anything, it's passionate. The culture, if it's yes. anything, it's passionate. So, um, yes. And full of life and full of fun as well. <laughs> right. And delicious food. Can't wait. That's right. Well, I really look forward to hearing her speak at the conference in um, August. 
mm-hmm. and um, getting to know her a little bit more in person, seeing mm-hmm. her live will be really a great opportunity. I so, hope some of our guests can come listen. Right. So listen, that's a great segue into a promo for CBE's 2022 International Conference in Atlanta, Georgia on the theme, Exploring the Fullness of Galatians 3.28. We are going to hear from women like Grace and men like David Hart as we consider ethnicity and gender and the challenges they these two uh, location, social locations in the lives of women like Grace have and how they've navigated that in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh boy, I can't wait. <laughs> well, thank you, everyone. It was great being with you just for a few moments. And do continue to keep Grace and her work in your prayers. Looking for more information about CBE and our mission for biblical equality? Then please visit cbeinternational.org for more information. And please be sure to tune in each week for new episodes here or wherever else you listen to podcasts.